regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards, and I'm glad you've joined the program today. We're going to talk about uh, the nomination of one David Chippen as head of the ATF. Now, there's no Senate vote scheduled here, as far as we can tell. Democrats still trying to wrangle the uh, final votes necessary to uh, put David Chipman over the top, and it is unclear whether or not they'll be able to do so. Uh, but we are seeing the dumbest defense yet uh, of David Chipman. I ran across this story earlier today from an outlet called the American Independent. Now, I've never heard of this website before, but here's their headline. GOP senator supposing Biden's ATF book to, took tens of thousands of dollars from the gun lobby. And the supporters of David Chipman took tens of thousands of dollars from the gun control lobby. I mean, that's not necessarily surprising. Uh, and what the American Independent is actually pointing out here is that uh, all of the Republican members of the Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, and they focus on those 11 members of the Senate Judiciary Committee for uh, some reason or another, uh, are are in the back pocket of the gun lobby. That's the allegation anyway, right? All 11 senators, they write, pushing for a second hearing based on the allegations, which have been promoted by the allegations, by the way, that uh, David Chipman, when he was at the Detroit ATF field office, made disparaging remarks about black agents. Uh, and not just the allegations, but the actual incontrovertible fact that in the immediate aftermath of the Sandy Hook murders in uh, Newtown, Connecticut, in December of 2012, David Chipman appeared on Chinese state-run TV to promote a gun control agenda at a time in which the Chinese government was trying desperately to downplay a mass stabbing of school children that took place in their nation. David Chipman didn't bring it up, either to the anchor. Uh, instead, David Chipman talked about how the deaths of these school children at Sandy Hook Elementary could be given some meaning, that they didn't have to be meaningless, as long as their deaths led to gun control laws then then those murders could be imbued with some deeper meaning. I mean, I, I think it's sociopathic, quite honestly, but uh, that's just my opinion. So anyway, those are the allegations that the American Independent uh, is talking about. They say uh, uh, all 11 senators pushing for a second hearing based on those allegations, which have been promoted by the NRA, the National Shooting Sports Foundation, and the Second Amendment Foundation, have received tens of thousands of dollars in campaign contributions by those groups in their last few re-election campaigns. According to campaign finance data, Grassley, Lindsey Graham, John Corn, and Mike Lee, Ted Cruz, Ben Sass, Josh Hawley, Tom Cotton, John Kennedy, Tom Tillis, and Marsha Blackburn have received more than $130,000. Wait, each? Or is that all told? No, that's all told. $130,000 from the NRA since 2016. So that'd be, the uh, let's see, the, the 2016, 2018, 2020 election cycles. 48000 from the National Shooting Sports Foundation. Um yeah. So again, the 11 Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee have also uh, been the beneficiaries of gun control lobby money. Not that the American Independent wants to talk about that. More importantly, David Chipman himself has received tens of thousands of dollars from the gun control lobby because he's been a paid employee of both Mayors Against Illegal Guns and Giffords. So I'm pretty sure over the past 10 years, David Chipman has ranked, uh, raked in more gun control cash then these 11 senators have uh, raked in from the gun lobby. But I was curious about this. Oh, we've got a little bit more of this story here. Because the American Independent did reach out to uh, several senators uh, and heard back, actually, from a few of them. So a spokesman for uh, Senator Cruz said in a statement that the senator, quote, has a long history of fighting to preserve and protect our Second Amendment 
uh, our U.S. Constitution, including the Second Amendment. They continued, he's argued in support of the Second Amendment well before he became a U.S. senator. Senator Cruz has long said that the incredible part of supporters of the Second Amendment is that they are not just one or two organizations, but millions of Americans standing for freedom beyond just an organization. David Chipman is a partisan anti-gun zealot who has a disdain for gun owners and should not run the ATF. Spokesman for Senator Ben Sass' office says this isn't rocket science. Nebraska gun owners oppose Chipman, and so does Ben. And a spokesman for Senator Charles Grassley's office said in a statement that, quote, the campaign contributions do not impact Senator Grassley's decision on any issue, adding that his, quote, opposition to the Chipman nomination is based on the persistent concerns raised by Iowans and others about this nominee's widely recognized hostility to the constitutional protections enshrined in the Second Amendment, as well as the numerous other factors bearing on his character and fitness for the office of director of the ATF. So I will say this. Kudos to uh, the American Independent for actually including those responses from the senator's office. Now, I will say that the entire piece is uh, so biased and so slanted in favor of David Chipman that I was a little curious because, like I said, I had never heard of this outlet before. So I looked up uh, at the very bottom of the story, by the way. It says uh, that uh, uh, this report... Uh, published with permission of the American Independent Foundation. So, okay, well, what is the American Independent Foundation? So I went to GuideStar, which is a, uh, you know, sort of a charitable watchdog. And they've actually got some information there. Uh, the mission of the American Independent Foundation is to, quote, foster strong independent journalism that helps create positive societal change through increased public awareness of progressive issues. So it is advocacy journalism. And the advocacy that they're promoting is uh, far-left advocacy. Okay. Uh, whatever. That's fine. I mean, advocacy, we got advocate journalists on both sides of the issue here. Uh, I, maybe it should be disclosed a little bit more. The principal officer of the American Independent Foundation is a guy named Angelo, Angelo Carasone. Or Angelo, uh, Angelo, I don't know why I'm saying Angelo. Angelo Carasone. <laughs> and that name rang a bell. I couldn't quite place it. But man, that sounded familiar. So I did a Google search. And uh, here's what came up on uh, Andrew, uh, did it again, Angelo Carasone's uh, LinkedIn page. Oh, he's the president at Media Matters for America, which is not a journalistic organization. No, no, no. That's the uh, left-wing outlet that is designed to, and makes a ton of money, by the way, uh, going after any and all conservatives. That, that's it. That me, so Media Matters for America... The guy who runs that is the same guy that's in charge of the American Independent Foundation, uh, which means that this really isn't reporting at all. This is, you know, not even I don't think even advocacy journalism. This is pro Chipman spin uh, on the part of the Democrats. And frankly, if this is the best that they have. There's no wonder that Chipman's nomination is in trouble. The best defense that they've got against these allegations of racism or bigoted comments against the, again, the incontrovertible fact that David Chipman went on Chinese state-run TV in the immediate wake of the shootings at Sandy Hook Elementary and talked about giving these kids' deaths some meaning by passing gun control. Their only defense is, well, Republicans took money from the gun lobby. Okay. I, I, look, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that they did. $148,000 all told for 11 senators over the course of four years, which, by the way, given the amount of money in politics, that doesn't really sound like a lot. Remember, keep in mind, uh, Michael Bloomberg, when he ran for president last year, 
spent nearly half a billion dollars in his failed bid to uh, capture the White House. One guy, one campaign, and then, of course, every town for gun safety and uh, other gun control groups spent well over $100 million trying to put Joe Biden in the White House. So if we're going to be talking about the spending of the gun lobby, we also need to talk about the spending of the gun control lobby. And the gun control lobby has spent tons of money putting in place a, uh, an anti-gun president who will do their bidding by installing a committed gun control activist as permanent director of the ATF. Now, I'm sure that Angelo Carasone and the uh, folks at Media Matters and the American Independent, for that matter, uh, will say, listen, Cam's just a, uh, uh, a gun zealot. He's just a, a right-wing extremist parroting these talking points. Now, you don't have to like me, but you got to deal with the argument. And if your only argument, if Chibman supporters' best argument is, well, the gun lobby doesn't like them, you're right. They don't. And millions of gun owners don't like them either. And those gun owners vote in states like Montana and West Virginia and Maine, which is why senators like John Tester and uh, Joe Manchin and Angus King have been uh, very much publicly on the fence about the Chipman nomination. Because they want, look, I, I, I have no doubt that these senators want to be good Democrats. They want to be good team players. I also suspect they want to not jeopardize their political futures as a result of that. And voting for a gun control activist like David Chipman, who, again, I suspect has taken in far more money as a paid gun control activist from the gun control lobby than these 11 senators have taken in from the gun lobby, there's going to be a political cost that has to be paid if these senators ultimately endorse Chipman and install him as the permanent director of the ATF. It will be uh, an issue. I would argue one of the primary issues in each and every one of their re-election campaigns. These are states that aren't just pro-Second Amendment. I mean, Montana, West Virginia, Maine, all of them, constitutional carry states. We've seen the rise of the Second Amendment sanctuary movement uh, in all three of these states. You've got a burgeoning firearms industry in Montana. West Virginia lawmakers uh, voted earlier this year to repeal the state sales tax on guns and ammunition and provide huge tax incentives to companies that want to move to West Virginia to open up, uh, you know, gun factories or ammunition factories. So there are all kinds of reasons to vote against David Chipman beyond the, you know, several thousand dollars that uh, Republican senators may have received. Uh, and by the way, it's not just these 11 Republican senators. All 50 Republican senators are opposed to David Chipman's nomination, something else that the uh, American independent doesn't really want to talk about. So as for the vote itself, well, again, we've seen no movement here. Uh, the Senate voting on the infrastructure bill, the first of two infrastructure bills. Sorry, I'm trying to keep the Second Amendment solely to the Second Amendment, but the eye rolling, I can't stop here. Uh, whether or not they take up Chipman's nomination after the vote on this uh, first infrastructure bill, I think is very much up in the air. And at this point, I've seen no indication that that will be the case. Uh, it doesn't look like last week's full court press uh, uh, to try to get Angus King and Joe Manchin and John Tester off the fence. It doesn't appear that that's actually worked because none of those three senators have actually come out and said, all right, you don't have to listen to these gun control activists. I, I'm sorry. 
common sense gun safety advocates. Uh, I've changed my mind and I'm now supporting Chipman. That hasn't happened with any of these senators. So my best guess is that the uh, nomination of David Chipman is still in doubt. And we may very well see the Senate recess uh, before a vote is held. Now, what happens after that, whether they try to keep Chipman in place, whether he's allowed to just quietly withdraw his nomination, that very much remains to be seen. But if you are a gun owner in Montana, West Virginia, or Maine, I would strongly encourage you, keep up the contacts with your senators. Keep urging them to uh, do the right thing, to not put a committed gun control activist in charge of the ATF, and to tell the Biden White House, go back to the drawing board, find somebody who doesn't bring anti-gun zealotry to the table, uh, somebody who can be a real professional when it comes to uh, heading up the ATF and not one that views gun owners or the firearms industry with hostility and start over. And if they come up with somebody who uh, actually is a professional candidate who doesn't bring a lot of anti-gun baggage to the table, then, you know, these senators may very well vote for them. But Chipman? Not the right guy for the job as the defense, so-called defense of David Shipman shows us. All right. On to today's Armed Citizen story. Our good deed of the day. Our recidivist report as well. Let's start there. Story out of Chicago. Brothers charged in the killing of a Chicago cop on probation for felonies. Yeah. I mean, we've heard a lot, you know, from Lori Lightfoot about it. It's the guns. And it's, uh, you know, the gun laws around the country. But as it turns out, if the criminal justice system in Chicago and the state of Illinois were actually functional, these two individuals uh, might have been behind bars instead of out on the street when Officer Ella French was murdered on Saturday night. According to the New York Post, Imante Morgan... Uh, on probation for felony robbery at the time of this shooting. He uh, pleaded guilty, and his brother Eric Morgan charged with unlawful use of a weapon by a felon, uh, as well as uh, obstruction of justice. The uh, alleged shooter had also pleaded guilty to robbing a man in Chicago in August of 2019. He had arranged to meet the 36-year-old victim to buy his iPhone, uh, but when the two men met, Morgan snatched the phone and then fled, according to the report. Uh, the victim chased Morgan down and tackled him in a nearby parking lot where the robber then began punching him, prompting the man to defend himself. Morgan charged with felony robbery, misdemeanor battery, pleaded guilty to one count of robbery last November in exchange for a sentence of two years probation. May 18th, prosecutors filed a motion for violation of probation, but the reason for that filing not included in court records. Yeah. So again, we have two individuals, both young men, both who could have been behind bars at the time of this murder, but because of the light sentence given to violent criminals in Chicago, that didn't happen. And these uh, young men, both out on the street and in a position to take the life of Officer French, thanks to the slap on the wrist that they had previously received from the criminal justice system. Now, today's armed citizen story, Nashville, Tennessee, where a good Samaritan able to hold a car burglar until police arrived. Outside of Nashville, actually, uh, Hermitage, Tennessee. 
This was uh, a couple days ago. Good Samaritan kind of alleged car burglar. Said he just heard the alarms go off. Um, car burglar had smashed her window. And the victim said that uh, someone had been breaking into cars in her apartment complex. She said, I was scared. First thing I was thinking, that this is the actual individual. We don't know what he's capable of. So she comes out of her apartment. She's, she's not a gun owner, by the way. But she's a, a smartphone owner. So she comes out. She's got her camera on her smartphone rolling. So she can, I guess, try to accost this guy or confront him. Instead, she captured one of her neighbors with his gun drawn, holding that alleged car burglar uh, at bay. The uh, apartment dweller said they found so much on him. He had a gun. He had other people's phones. He had money. He said, I, I don't live in this area. I was just walking home. But he had on a bulletproof vest. Officers arrived, and they uh, took 22-year-old Kevon Cheryl into custody. Uh, the man who uh, held Cheryl at gunpoint until officers arrived is a resident, also an ex-security officer. Uh, when asked about uh, Cheryl wearing a, uh, a vest, the Good Samaritan, who preferred not to be named, said, quote, I thought it was odd, like he had done it before, and uh, he was already planning on something happening, maybe. The uh, Good Samaritan told uh, WKRN-TV uh, that he was ready for anything. He said he wasn't nervous. He said that Cheryl probably was. He said, I asked him why he was out pulling on door handles. He swore he wasn't. And I said, well, you're probably the one who broke into my car last night. He said, uh, for anyone to do that, it rubbed me the wrong way. When uh, Metro police officers arrived a few minutes later, they searched the 22-year-old 22, 22 uh, Cheryl. He had a, a stolen firearm uh, in his uh, front pocket. They also found uh, other items on Cheryl that officers say were stolen. And so... Uh, you know, I, I mean, I suppose this this is an armed citizen story, but it could also be our uh, good deed of the day, since this good Samaritan was in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. But, you know, we've got another good deed of the day for you today as well. This from uh, Kentucky, where a good Samaritan helped uh, rescuers get a, a 16-year-old girl or a 15-year-old girl uh, out from a uh, ravine where she had fallen at Natural Bridge State Resort Park. This was Sunday afternoon. The uh, 15-year-old, who um, is autistic and is nonverbal, had apparently fallen off of this, uh, not quite a cliff, but pretty close to a cliff, and it actually dropped about 60 feet uh, down this ravine. The Powell County Search and Rescue uh, went out to the area, along with the teams from the Wolf County Search and Rescue, the Powell County Emergency Medical Services, uh, Red Star Wilderness EMS, uh, Park Rangers, the uh, Still County Rescue Squad, as well as uh, Lee County Search and Rescue. Uh, while they were there, um, another family was hiking the same area of the trail, and uh, David Peck heard Millie's father, heard the uh, young girl's father calling for help, went to see what he could do. He was actually uh, trained as an EMT and had taken a, a wilderness first responder course about a decade or so ago. He said, uh, if I was in her parents' shoes, I'd want to know that someone's there. Is my daughter okay? And so I think he says that was definitely an important aspect. So uh, he was able to help as well. It took about five hours and uh, nearly 40 people. But the uh, young girl was returned to her family. And amazingly, despite falling 60 feet, did not suffer any serious injuries. So for David Peck and all of those first responders, able to reunite that uh, teenager with her family, we thank you for your very good deed. Now, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Barry and Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program, as always. And uh, don't forget, you can become a VIP member of BarryandArms.com. 
All you have to do is just go to the website. Actually, go to barryandarms.com slash subscribe. And then you can use the promo code GUNS. You can get 25% off of your VIP membership. That'll give you exclusive analysis, commentary, and more. We've got a piece today about the uh, defund the police movement rearing its ugly head again in Minneapolis. Don't want to miss that. And uh, also, you know, when you become a VIP member, you do help support programs like this each and every day. And we really do appreciate all of your support. We'll be back tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information. But in the meantime, be sure to check out BarryAndArms.com throughout the day. And uh, be well, be safe, and be free. 